This is 15 Minutes to Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Nidell, and today's episode is my weekly jaunt around the table with my wife, Lindsay. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to have you here in the studio, sweetheart. Thank you, babe. It's been a long week. It has been a very, very long week. We are yet again recording on a Friday evening now at 7.30. This will air tomorrow morning at 4.30 in the morning. So there... We're cutting it a bit close. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. So I commend the team for keeping their head down and doing stuff because we are either lazy or poor at time management. It's just been a really busy week. Fair. There's just... I can't think of another time when we would have been able to do that this week. I can. We just didn't make it a priority. But that's just a difference of opinion. Just like we're going to jump into conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Because you're an empath. Yes. So even just the fact of you saying that like you speak to dead people, <laughs> right, that they communicate with you, that's something that for most people as you're listening is a little crazy. Sure. And it, like, but it's not crazy. No, it's not crazy. But I'm not psychic, and I'm not the kind of person that can sit down with somebody and be like, "I see your grandfather on your mother's side," and blah. Like, I, I am able to, I guess, for lack of a better word, communicate with people that are intertwined with my personal life, that are entities, spirits, whatever you want to call it, that are attached to me personally. Which makes sense. Kind of. Why the super long pauses? The super long pauses. I like this. That's a great question. The super long pauses because we have recorded collectively. Kurt, who's sitting in the studio with us right now. We have recorded three episodes this week that for whatever the reason, one thing with the technology we have didn't work the right way. And magically, the episode sounded like I was a robot. Oh, so which, you're looking up at the screen here to make sure that yeah, we brought the tracking. Things are recording. Like the, yeah, so I looked up, and because there's a delay, because it's air streamed behind uh, the yes. super thick wall. I'm talking. You didn't see anything. Nothing's moving. I'm like, man, we, I'm not doing this. <laughs> we're not recording an hour of great content just to have to go again. No, not when we're already cutting it short for the for the production of this in the first place. Okay, I think we're good though, right? We are. We are wonderful. All right. But let's jump back into the fact of <laughs> you sharing that you speak to dead people. Like, sure, you look at it like it's so, like, you're even squinting right now. But it's so normal to you that you just bring it up. Like, well, it's not like, I, it's not like I'm a medium. I just talk to dead people mm. that are in my family well, or so my associated it's family. It's different, right? I bet, like, you as a listener, have you ever had a random thought that pops into your head or a smell that's familiar that just comes out of nowhere? And you're like, where is that coming from? So in, in, I guess, my world or my realm of those things, I can hear thoughts and things that come into my mind that are not my own voice, that is not my own kind of subconscious, my own narrative going on in my head. And then um, smells, sounds, deja vu type of things that are from people that are no longer with us, but they're always attached to me. And they're, you know, my, my mother has this, my aunt has this, my great-grandmother was the Italian village, which like it's just in the bloodline, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, you know, people look at me sideways or like I have 14 heads sometimes. But there I think there's a little bit of of connectivity or psychic ability in all of us if you are aware and conscious enough to realize those things. Like there's a there's just a higher level of consciousness associated with things like that. 
I mean, I can't dispute it. I don't. <laughs> I feel like I have a, a now a much higher sense of consciousness, right? I get to get messages from who knows where they come from. Yeah. Spend some time floating and making sure that I had connections with the outside world. You know, yeah, but I mean, look, we'll use your grandfather for an example, right? Mm-hmm. He was hanging around our house for a while. I kept seeing random images of a man that I didn't recognize, which personally freaked me out because I could feel the change in energy in our household. Not a bad one, just something that I hadn't recognized before. And as I'm describing this person to you, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Donald, Donald Cyrus is the man. I feel like I know who that is. Yeah. And then we had your mom send a picture and I was like, that's him. So Well, and that gets crazier because one of my most recent clients yeah. has oh, shared yeah. a message with me back and forth where we hadn't even yet gotten to the point of a one-on-one face-to-face phone call. So part of my coaching is we spend at least an hour every week face-to-face. Like, I got to read your energy. I got to see you. You know, we're, we're planning things out that aren't just on the phone. And she starts messaging me that, you know, s- somebody wants to communicate with me and she's asking if I'm okay with it. And I'm like, sure, of course. And I'm like, my wife's crazy like this too, right? Yeah. One thing leads <laughs> to another and... She is literally depicting to a T my grandfather. So yeah. I take that same picture that I shared with with Lindsay and I, I sent it to her and she goes, that's him exactly. He he just wants to tell you he's proud of you. Yeah, he's got a very strong connection to you. He's what I guess people in that world call like one of your spirit guides or guardian angels. Like he always is watching out for you or some part of him is with you consistently. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm down. I mean, we all have spirit guides, guardian angels, whatever you want to call them that look out for us. And I, I mean, I truly believe that. I know that my family has always looked at things that way. And I don't know if you knew that those entities were attached to you, but they are. No, (laughs) no, I had no idea, but I'm glad I don't know. So yes, I guess it's a, it's a big conspiracy theory, right? Because unless you experience it, unless you understand what that is and you can open yourself up to something that you maybe don't believe in, don't understand, don't know a lot about, it It can open up a whole different world. They they do exist, but, you know, a lot of people don't believe in that stuff. That's true. I wonder if the lack of belief is based off of lack of experience. I think lack of experience and lack of awareness. I think there are a lot of things that go on multiple times throughout everyone's day that they're just not aware of because they are so focused on whatever's going on around them that serves them and not the subtle things that they should be picking up on. Well, and that, that's crazy. Like that's a perfect segue into the first part of like what I'll say is I maybe like leaned into you and showed you some of the crazy stuff that I believe in, which yeah. was the documentary documentary above majestic. Oh yeah. That was crazy town. That was that two hour one we watched twice, right? On Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, no, unfortunately, either Netflix or Amazon, either we one. We bought it. You had to buy it. Yeah. You couldn't. We couldn't rent it. You couldn't rent it, which is fine. Like, it goes to whatever the research or whatever. It doesn't matter. I heavily, heavily, heavily recommend Above Majestic. Like, from where I sit, there's this whole secondary level of awakening and consciousness and perception of reality, right? What, what we've almost been brainwashed to believe as society versus what I believe is actually happening behind the scenes. And this documentary has countless exhibits. Testimonials, anecdotal stories. But, you know, the first time I watched it, when we watched it one time through, 
a lot of these things I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And some of the some of the subjects and then some of the testimonials, I was like, you gotta be, this is a little bit stretchy for me. Like I'm gonna have to sit with this for a second to get my mind wrapped around it because the stuff that you hear, it's like you have to kind of spoon feed it a bit of at a time to people that maybe aren't as open-minded. You know, you, you start with just a, a little bit at a time and then they kind of, their mind capacity grows, their consciousness grows a little more. And then you can give them, you know, the, the second course of the meal, so to speak. And then, okay, now I, I get a little more, I'm a little more understanding. But to, to just sit down and watch that when you have no idea about any of it, you're going to be like, these people are freak shows. <laughs> and I'll say that's your, that's fair. That's your, your perception of this, right? From my side right. of things, like, I'm drinking from the fire hose. I'm oh, ready. My mouth is open. Fountain. I go all the way down the rabbit hole very yes. quickly. And so in Above Majestic, we'll start with something like the Deep Space Program. And the Deep Space Program, as it pertains to Above Majestic, is the fact that we have had the ability since the Reagan administration to really travel and guard our little ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Our our earth, our little spot. And we've been able to do that because we have technology that us common folk don't know about. And you're hearing this and if you're like most, you're sitting there thinking like, okay, where's this going? This is crazy. <laughs> and in the movie, it tracks all the way back to Nazi Germany mm-hmm. during what World War II. Yes. And that there was an alliance made between someone in Nazi Germany and I'll say a higher being, a different power, something from another universe, however you want to look at it, space, that brought a technology down that allowed them to mimic how spacecrafts operated. Mm-hmm. And that space During World War II, which is just mind-blowing, right, if you think about what was technologically available at that time. As far as what we know. Correct. And that's where this gets so strange. It's like, okay, the the flying craft, whatever it is, maybe existed, maybe didn't. We didn't have a way to know it. And eventually that flying craft in this movie ends up somehow, and I'm, I'm butchering this a little bit. Like I'm not as well versed in this to speak with it fluently. But somehow there's something that goes on that has the Nazis going down to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And the underground. And even now, if you don't know it, Antarctica, like there's a treaty that says nobody owns Antarctica, but everybody owns Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And you are supposed to, as a citizen of the globe, supposed to be able to go to Antarctica. Like it's free territory. But this alliance of countries has created this very small sliver that you're actually allowed to go over and see. But Antarctica as a continent has a no-fly zone over it. Right. You actually Which a lot of people don't know. Yeah, you can't go fly over Antarctica. So it was, like, just think this logically. Like, Take off the filter for just a second, if you don't mind. I'm like, okay, we're crazy. Why is it that somewhere on Earth we can't even fly over, let alone go visit? And it's not like there's major air, pa- air traffic pattern issues over Antarctica. Wouldn't imagine so. Right. I don't know. Like, right? I guess you take a shortcut to get from one place I, to another. I don't know if that would be a shortcut, but again, I'm not a pilot, so I don't know. But I just don't imagine that that's going to be a, a large issue for air traffic control to be there or whatever 
things or reasons or excuses they can come up with to why it is there's a no-fly zone. Mm -hmm. And so from research centers to reptilian subcultures, like the rabbit hole of what's in Antarctica gets pretty deep. And that's where it loses me a little bit. Like I'm not saying that there's not a chance that there are a different type of life form, right? Like there's too many people have seen, we'll say a Bigfoot or a Yeti or some things that we can't really describe. Right, but look at how many different millions of species of living things are on this earth. So to stop it as, you know, to say, oh, we can have lions and tigers and leopards and skunks and rabbits, but we can't have any different form of human being or intelligent creatures is a joke. Well, yeah, just like I think it's a joke to assume the fact that in the Milky Way that we are the only life form that exists. Right. The amount of ego it takes to actually hold that to be your truth is astounding. Like that we, the entire universe, the entire expansive amount of just the Milky Way, not even the universe now that we can see. And we're the only ones that are living, being, breathing creatures. Which also gets touched on in the movie where some of the the lead narrators talk about the deep space program where they were able to travel like that hyperspace travel has existed for quite some time Mm -hmm. and they're able to travel to the far reach of the universe where there's almost you know two or three other planets that mimic a lot of what we would know on earth Mm -hmm. right same same life form same type of people same type of things either more or less advanced but almost like a mirror of our of what we have here and that doesn't sound that crazy to me Right, like, and I say that because let's let's be honest. I remember what we'll talk nineteen ninety one ninety two. We got access to the World Wide Web. Oh yeah, big box computers with the green little buttons, mouse cursors. Yeah, you're kidding yourself if you think that anything like that gets rolled out to the public first. <laughs> yeah, right. Like. It wasn't like somebody sat in their basement and created this and then magically we all have it across the United States. Like the government had access to it for years before and like think tanks created it years before that. Mm -hmm. And it was originally designed for militaries to be able to cross communicate. And then all of a sudden it comes out for us. Okay. Well, I'm holding in my hand an iPhone, what, XS. Yeah, whatever the newest one is. That has more computing power in it than the very first computer that came out in the 60s or 70s. It's in the palm of all of our hands. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that you're listening to this podcast based off of the technology that's in this phone. So you mean to tell me that from literally 1990, I'm going to make it up, 91, 92, from then until 2020, 19, 18, however you want to look at this, there's been that many leaps and bounds of technology increasing as it pertains to computing power. But our space program is exactly the same as it was 30 years ago. Right. 40 years ago. That's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Same thing. The automotive industry, right? Sure, we have Elon Musk and Tesla that's moving things around. But really, the automotive industry has stayed completely unchanged for 100 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, more efficiency, more space, more luxury, more things. But there's a fairly good chance that for some reason, maybe oil companies, maybe... <laughs> they don't want combustion engines going away. Well, why would they? Why would they want free energy? Which it gets all the way into Nikola Tesla. Right. right. Like this is like this is how this ends up working, where 
Tesla had created and des- developed a system in which energy was truly free. I might surprise you when I say the U.S. owns the patent and created the patent for Tesla's technology and locked it away so you can't actually get it. Yep. It exists. It was created. There's supposed to be one or two scribes floating around somewhere that have Tesla's work on it that have been passed around and those people have either been executed or, you know, it's locked away. And here we are paying for energy. Well, why? Who, like who decided that we had to pay for energy when it comes from the sun? And it's actually all around us. Like life is always in motion. That's the other thing. Like you sit here and we're, I'm touching a table. Well, the table we would call a solid state, right? It's solid. Mm-hmm. But it's only solid from the perceptive level of our own reality. Correct. When you get down to a microscopic level, it's always in motion. Everything is always in motion. Nothing remains consistent. Same thing so much like we get into water, right? Like there's, we were taught in school, there's three states of water, mm-hmm. solid, liquid, gas. Correct. Well, there's a fourth state that's like a hybrid gel state that's not, it doesn't perform like any of the above. It's actually inside of all of our bodies all the time at the mitochondria level. But we weren't taught that. No. It doesn't exist for us. It's like, why? Like, why does all this stuff happen? I can't help but think that there is a global power at hand, not a U.S. power, a global power at hand that controls almost all of this. And you track things back. And if you have not heard of these names before, I would encourage you to Google the Rothschilds family. Yeah, that'll blow your mind when you start digging into that rabbit hole. If you've not been down that path before, it'll blow your mind. So that was something that I exposed you to in our relationship, right? right? That wasn't prior to me. I don't believe that you'd ever heard of that. Mm-mm. You start poking and picking around, and you see the amount of generational wealth that's been passed down and the fact that if you look at the four main banks in the U.S., they are owned by one subsidiary. Like every bank, every banking system that we have all rolls up into a series of basically, I can't call them shell companies, but holding companies. Mm-hmm. All those holding companies are either owned by the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, J.P. Morgan. Yeah, J.P. Morgan, which is Chase Bank. But they're all owned by the same group of people that are controlling that. And who do you think also owns the same amount of power in the electricity field, energy field? Same people. Same holding groups. What about the oil fields? Same holding groups. Mm Mm-hmm. Where this even gets more unique is when you look at the Federal Reserve. So if you're not aware of this, the Federal Reserve is not actually owned by the United States. It's not owned. It's its own business, which then took in, I'm going to cheat because I don't remember the exact year, 1871. You can literally Google the act of 1871, and you'll see the fact that at that point, the Senate had to pass a bill to allow there to be, and they did it almost when everything was uh, out of session. It was in December. It was when people were gone. There wasn't mass abilities to communicate. They brought just enough people in to pass this legislation to allow the Federal Reserve to be the central holding bank and turn it into a business. Well, for it to be a business, someone has to own the business. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. doesn't own the business. The central banking system owns the business. Well, who owns the central banking system? Same four people and same four holding companies. This is not, to me, conspiracy. This is all things that if you are curious, you can Google and research this and you'll see that this is all true. 
And so as you pull out a dollar bill, if you have one in your pocket, it says a Federal Reserve note on the top of the dollar, just right above like on the border. It's really crazy. It says on every one of our pieces of currency, unless you go back prior to the act of 1871. Go back and look at some of the original silver dollars they were called. If you've ever heard that, like my grandfather collected silver dollars. Yeah. It was like a big deal when we were kids to get one of those. It was. Those were still in circulation, have been slowly brought out of circulation because at the top of not only silver dollars, but also the actual paper currency of that time, it said United States backed by silver. Mm -hmm. Because our currency back then was backed by the things that we had and we could only put enough currency into circulation that equated to the amount of liquidity we had right. as a country. Rather than just printing money. And as worlds come, World War One comes, and actually the Civil War is what started all this. The Civil War, the United States was so depleted in resources and capital and income, they basically, in order to build the infrastructure back up, they had to take a loan from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Well, at that same time, you look at what was going on overseas with various wars and battles, and the Rothschild family was already existing, moving around money. They get all the way to... Whatever, whatever war Napoleon was in, mm-hmm. and I'm going to mess this up, so I'm not even going to claim it. Like, I'm not a history buff, and I apologize for no, that. No, neither am I. But you have a battle in which the Rothschilds had couriers that could go on both sides of the, the, the war line. They really, I mean, I think they used, like, pigeon couriers back in the day, did they not? Uh, not back, so it was, it was horse couriers. Horse because they couriers. had They had different media outlets, different newspaper publications, so they were the only ones that could travel safely from both sides of the, of the war, both sides of the line. Okay. And so what happens is you had, right before the war was coming to an end, you had J.P. Morgan, I think, it could have have been Rothschild, doesn't matter, travel to England and sell off his stock, his holdings, in the companies that were, like, in the British side of the equation. So the minute that happened, you know, as he goes, as went the nation, so everybody sold off all the holdings in the British company. Well, he already knew on the other side because he was funding both sides of the war, which if you look, the Rothschilds or J.P. Morgans, one of these families has always funded both sides of every war Mm -hmm. because it's a political play for money and for status. It's a whole different level of the game than we're playing. So he sells off. He creates a a, called a bear market where everybody's selling off their holdings inside of anything that's related to Great Britain, England, the U.K., at the same time, he knows that they've actually won the war. Right. And everybody that's selling all their things thinks that they have lost the war. And they're about, yes, they're certainly going to lose yeah. because he's selling his position. He waits for a day and a half until all the positions sell down. He knows the outcome of the war already. He goes back in and he buys all of those stock, mm-hmm. buys all the holdings. What do you know? Now he owns all of it. Overnight, he owns more of the liquidity for England than England owns. Mm-hmm. So England now at this point has to make him a knight. They have to... He, sir. I believe this is the Rothschilds. I don't believe this is J.P. Morgan. I would. I believe that to be correct. So now he's, he's, in right. He's he's now. Now they're considered royalty. They are royalty on the bloodline, and they have to do. They're doing that because, in order for England to remain solvent, they have to beg for money back that's their own money because now the Rothschilds own more than they own. Right. Well, that doesn't happen just because he becomes sir. If there's <laughs> another concession that gets made. And so all of a sudden, strategically, this is what's happening all over the globe throughout almost every war. But we as common folks, admittedly, we're not playing at this level. At least I'm certainly not. No, and nobody pays attention. It doesn't affect their bubble. You don't know that this exists. 
And so you have this thing in which now they own parts of England and they created the Federal Reserve, which then handles all of our money. And no longer is the U.S. currency backed by actual commodities, right? It's manufactured. Like we keep saying we keep increasing our debt ceiling, you know, $14 trillion. Who do we owe that debt to? Right. Right. We owe the debt to the central bank, or we could say, of course, from an economic standpoint, we own it to China and we owe it like we've, we've borrowed money from different people. Who do you think that money ultimately comes from, right? Like this is like this whole circle where everything leads back to one of two, maybe three families at this point. And so the conspiracy that exists currently right now as it pertains to all that, I must also poke at this. Look at something like the IRS. There is nowhere that I have found in any legislation that exists anywhere on the planet that says you legally have to pay taxes. Because what happened in 1871 Mm -hmm. during this act, Congress changed the words of the Constitution to of the people to for the people. And in the changing of the wording of the Constitution, it actually nullified the original document and allowed them to instill a slavery system, which ends up being taxation. Because one of the first things was no taxation without representation. And unfortunately, we lost our representation. We sold our rights to the United States to the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. So the fact of an IRS that exists that funnels in money that goes to the Federal Reserve, which ultimately goes to the Rothschilds, is just a way to pay back a debt that doesn't exist and transfer wealth from one hand to the other. It's not legal. Sure, high level, it is, right? Like, you have to pay taxes. And I'm not encouraging you not to pay taxes (laughs) at all. What I'm saying is there's been three stated cases where people have been thrown into jail eventually, right, for refusing to pay taxes for years and years and years, and then one. But the media suppresses that, and they're told to be quiet, and they go away. And two of these people, if you do some research on it, have actually been killed or died. We'll just say they died. Who knows how they died? But when you push enough buttons and you figure out the right way the system works, it's scary because what we think is our perception of reality is not really the perception that exists. Which brings us full circle to me what is going on right now. Now, this gets super deep conspiracy-wise. Here he goes. (laughs) This, This was our conversation at the dinner table yesterday. It has been stated for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, whatever it would be, And I think we could all agree that Donald Trump didn't exactly fit the traditional mold of a president. No. Right, didn't really have much of a political background. He's not a politician at all. Was certainly a polarizing figure, had his own unique mindset, and was, for all intents and purposes, not supposed to win, right? Like, it was just set in stone. It had to be Hillary Clinton. Well, somehow, he wins. Mm -hmm. And he says things that ruffles feathers. And he's certainly not one of the, we'll call it, quote-unquote, insiders, right? He's not, he's not one of them. Them, as in this conspiracy, is referred to as the cabal. Yeah, and if you don't know what that is, look that up, too. That'll, that'll waste your day real quick C-A- as well. C-A-B-A-L? I think it's K. Can't spell? Doesn't really matter to me. No, you one spell. of the two. Try them both. One of them will pr- create some pretty, pretty crazy sure results. He is not one of the cabal. And the cabal would be essentially... We can call it Illuminati. We can call it the Central Bank. We can call it whoever came down and gave us the technology that eventually the Rothschilds and like how all this has been structured and played out. It's all, we'll say, the bad team. I got to call it good versus bad. 
these are the ones that if you've heard about are pedophiles. These are the ones that are sex traffickers. These are the ones running drugs, like all these things. And I can't lump people as good and bad, but like their motives are much different. Yeah, they perpetuate a lot of the bad things that go on. They certainly do. But Donald Trump's not one of them. And so it might also surprise you to know that every major newspaper, magazine, TV station, radio station is owned by one of two companies in the United States as a roll-up, like if you do enough ascension up the ladder. And those two companies are also yet owned by one of the other holding companies that own the banks, the oil, the gas, all that. Yeah, and if you pay attention, there's actually been multiple recordings of various news channels either setting up fake news, I mean, which sounds ridiculous because Donald Trump says that all the time, but they set up scenarios in which there are riots or protests or whatever that actually don't exist, they're fake, or that you see multiple news channels from local to national that are given the same script all over the nation and they're the same time slots and you put them side by side and all of these news news people are saying the exact same script that they were given. If you would like to, I would encourage you to Google that. Say like, Yeah, I'm not making that up. News channel, same script, and it'll pop up on YouTube with little like 60 or 80 channels in the same day where literally the anchors were saying the exact same thing in multiple different cities across the country. Yeah, and they changed their cadence or their tones, but the the wording was exactly the same. So all the publications, all the news channels, all the everything are essentially owned by, we'll call it the cabal. And you have this outsider, Donald Trump, that comes into the equation and starts pushing on the norm. Well, what the first thing they're going to do is say that there's, you know, collusion with another country that Mm -hmm. there's because the news channels are creating this and obviously there's all these pieces and parts and and certainly who knows what that really looks like right like i can't say that he did or didn't speak with russia i don't know that it really matters to me it's just the fact that every news channel is literally perpetuating negativity and we'll call this republican versus democrat right like it's it's the craziest thing in the world right and you get a different story but with the same negative spin depending on what news channel you watch And that forwards us into now, where one of Trump's running statements was, of course, building this wall between us and Mexico. Don't care if you like the wall, don't like the wall, think we should fund it, don't think we should fund it. It's a platform to run on. Now, it's been said behind the scenes in some of the, I'll say these conspiracy theory forums, for however you want to look at it, that Trump, there was two ways to go down this path of, creating change in the United States and really in the globe. One was going to be a military coup where someone from the cabal becomes president and it's going to have to be a forceful overthrow. Mm -hmm. Me even saying that out loud right now on the mic probably makes you feel super nervous, right? Like what do you do when it becomes a police state and the military takeover? There's literally instantaneous martial law and life goes haywire. Or you find someone and you align them the right way from the outside that can't be bought, that doesn't have interest in being a part of the cabal, but has the backing of the military that's capable of the coup, and you push them into power. Hence Donald Trump. And so the wall becomes this point that he's playing chess while most people, I believe, are playing checkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not, a, he's not an idiot. He has horrible tact. And, and it just sometimes I listen to him speak, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, did he really just say that? Yeah, I love it. You just kind of cringe like, oh, Jesus, here he goes again. But he's he's not tactful and he's not eloquent and he's not graceful and he doesn't have, but he's he's not polished, but he's just kind of tell like it is kind of guy. So he's in power. 
He's got the wall. The wall now is coming to the point where it's past the House and it has to get approval in the Senate. And if the military spending bill, which has the wall in it, doesn't get approved in the Senate, then it's like a forced recess inside of the government, right? Like we got to take a timeout. And there's some variances to that, right? I'm watering it down like super base level. But there's been a lot of things going on in the background since Donald Trump became president. There are something called sealed indictments that exist. Sealed indictments are essentially indictments for people that are placed from somebody, you know, it has to be an attorney general level or higher. It's really attorney generals or presidents. Those are the only ones that can create sealed indictments. This is going to blow people's mind. And the sealed indictments are just what they sound like. If, imagine I wanted to indict Lindsay on something, whatever it is, she stole my heart. And Aww, so cute. that's right. That's smooth. <clears throat> it just came to me. And so I want to, you know, bring her up on paper, I'll call it. If I were to file a lawsuit, it's public record. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. When it's sealed, it takes someone from presidential, Congress, or attorney general to seal that so it can't be opened. Now, there are currently somewhere between 60 and 66,000 sealed indictments that have existed since Trump became president. To put that into context for you, in Obama's entire time in office, there were 1,748 sealed indictments total. There is something different that's happening behind the scenes. Not only in those sealed indictments are there 66,000 or so, I'll round down and say 60. There are 338 indictments that are sealed that have been tracked back to what is looking to be senators. Mm-hmm. Now this gets crazy, right? Like why would this happen? And of course the other side of the media, right? The ones that are looking at the fact of, we'll say rolling into the world superpowers, you know, how we just discussed everything rolls up. Like they're saying that these sealed indictments are normal, that every time something passes through, uh, you know, a different station or a different checkpoint that it gets another seal to it. So it's like, not crazy how they always have an explanation for something. And <clears throat> my dad is retired, right? He's 74 years old. He sits and watches every news channel on the planet because he loves that stuff. And he was a politician for a majority of his career. I told him about this today and he was like, no way. And I mean, he, he gets it and it makes sense to him, but he's just like, of all the stuff that you hear, they're definitely not going to put that out there as, as it's supposed to be for the public to absorb. They're going to tell you everything that they want to spoon feed you to hear and believe. Correct. And so these sealed indictments were or are supposed to come out somewhere between December 26th and January 5th. Now, I don't know why. That exists, right? I, I don't, I don't know why the time frame. Why that time frame? But it, it was said that they would come out, and this this information has existed for you know, since the first part of November. That it would take the government going to a shutdown before these came out. Well, if I had access to this information, first part of November, and here we are, apparently, possibly going to shut down tomorrow. Yeah, that is the that is the latest news. Or today, right? It's Friday. Today, yeah, but so. Right, because then we're looking into holidays for Monday, Tuesday. So, yep, it would be today. And so here we are pushing the sealed indictments. And during that time, the sealed indictments would start to open Pandora's box to really what goes on underneath the top-level current of the world. 
right? The world that we perceive to be where the sex traffickers, the pedophiles, the elites that are doing things that we wouldn't even feel comfortable really discussing on air. It's horrible. That they are going to have to essentially pay the piper. And by the nature of that very statement, that the central banking system gets essentially abolished. Mm-hmm. And we go back to a gold or silver standard or some hybrid of there, there in between. And by the nature of that, when the Federal Reserve disappears, so does the IRS because it's not really set up to do what is, it's not doing what it was set up to do. And so now all of a sudden, there's also this temporary amount of potential martial law, right? Because this creates massive unrest. As I'm saying this to you and you're possibly digesting this on a Saturday, it sounds crazy, right? Like if this actually happens, if this is what comes out of things, like it's instant like chaos because we don't, there's roughly, uh, from my research, seven to eight trillion dollars in circulation, right? U.S. currency, paper. We don't have anywhere near that gold or silver to back this up. So you have this crazy market correction between the dollar being undervalued because there's more in circulation than we have to back it up. And you have material goods that were created in the old ecosystem that their prices go up. So you have this really strange momentary thing of like what feels like the Great Depression. Now, it's momentary because right, it, you eventually recalibrate all this. And I'm sure there's a plan that's way above and beyond what I would be able to understand. But you also have the sheer fact of, let's just round down and say 60,000 people all being arrested federally. And then the trickle-down effect, right? Because... Like cockroaches, everybody scrambles. Mm-hmm. And the wall was, whether it gets built or not, was nothing more than a distracting tactic because if knowing that the wall is so polarizing forces there to be a government shutdown. It's not about the wall. It's about the shutdown. Because it takes a shutdown to push people back into the corners to actually get them on indictment to create, when they're not there, it's easy to have them go away and reinstill new, Correct. new thoughts, new governments. Lord, y'all, this is a lot to digest before Christmas. <laughs> It is. It's a lot. But to me, it's not, right? Because this all goes back to where did we come from? Like we as a, as a race, where, like as, as, a, as a being, where did we exist from? And I get it. We're going to say God. Like I'm rolling my eyes because sure, like I'm not saying that's not possible. But is it unrealistic to think that God is something that was created as a metaphor to place us here because we came from a hybrid culture, a more advanced civilization? I mean, imagine time travel is possible, right? Like, let's talk about Einstein's theory of relativity, where essentially then we could time travel back to, with light travel, like light speed, we could go back to our own beginning, right? Like, we could take off on a rocket ship and land before it ever took off. Now, I know for most people, it's like, this is the craziest shit ever. Like, I don't even understand how this could work. And I get it. It's super obscure. But it's also super possible, and to me it's even probable. Like when you look at a map right now of the known universe, not our known universe, but like as far out as we've been able to understand and see, and you sit it down, right? you take a picture of it, you lay it on a table, and you take a photonegative picture of a leaf, they look identical, right? Like mm-hmm. the way the veins go, how the things connect. It also looks the same as your brain and the way the neurons fire in your brain. And I know this is super obscure, right? Like I'm going to push this one more level, two more levels. So it's also been said (laughs) that some of the health issues that go on, like this is crazy stuff. 
But some people with more insight to this than I have have posted many, many things about during this awakening period where there's a, called a age of enlightenment where there's going to be medical issues for many people that are in that process of ascending from the third dimension where we sit to the fourth or fifth dimension, like a truly heightened sense of enlightenment. And those medical issues are very unique. The first one is heart palpitations and unexplained loss of breath and tightness of chest and headaches and unexplained high blood pressure and a different sense of internal intuition. And this is multiple different places, multiple different things. And we have shared over and over again that Lindsay has been to damn near every specialist that I think we can possibly come up with. <laughs> and they and can't I, find anything wrong with me. I shared this with her last Saturday as she is at Gianna's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they can't find any heart rate monitors. Like name everything possible. There's nothing there. Then all of a sudden I say this. I'm like, well, this is super interesting. Right? It's an, an, another thing to at least consider. Which then opens up the possibility for, as I'm floating and meditating, spent two and a half hours, two hours doing Mm -hmm. this two weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. And during this session, it comes to me. Don't know why it's flashing in my eyes. Like, think about it when you're asleep and you're having such a vivid dream. Think vivid, like you're positive that it's real. 100% positive. You can feel it, you can hear it, you can smell it, you might even be able to taste it, right? But when you open your eyes, that dream stops. That version of you instantly has to die, like instantly. Mm-hmm. And you can't really explain why, like that you just can't even go back and visit again. It's just over. No, you're like, I really like this dream. I'm going to try to go back to sleep and, and re pick it up. It doesn't happen. And your current version of self, who you are right now, might be sweaty, pulse might be racing, like there's a thing that happens. What if that's the difference from the second dimension to the third dimension? And that's a third dimension of what we're living in. What happens when the next level, like it's almost like the uh, the movie. What's the one with uh, where you kick? Where you with kick? Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, um, oh, shoot. It starts with an I. Inception. Inception, yeah. <laughs> what if that type of inception deal is really what we're experiencing right now? What if... When we die, it's really that we become awake. Like you just, you're now at the next level of the game. And what if all that is just a metaphor for consciousness and awareness? Right? Like I, I know this is super out there. Like I completely get it, but is it really? Yeah, if you've hung with us this far, like th- then you're the type of person that's going to go and Google this and look it up. But I think that a majority of folks, which is why the global powers that be have been spoon feeding us bullshit for so many years is that most people just want to live in their bubble and they don't care to know any of this stuff it doesn't affect them i'm fine how i am i'm comfortable with my life like they're not comfortable being uncomfortable and so they're going to be lacking in growth and spirituality and higher consciousness of course and then with saying that it's like i gotta man I, i love this stuff like you look at like the, what the Anunnaki. Which you're going to have to tell people what that is because I had never heard of it. So it's A-N-N-U-K-I, I believe is how you spell it. Again, very poor spelling. But it is what many researchers believe to be the original civilization that came here. 
and they were from another planet, and I don't know how to say the planet's name. I don't either, and they'll tie it into all of the hieroglyphics and the pyramids and the whole deal and how all that was able to come about. Yeah, and you, you look here on the globe and you realize like the pyramids have, I think every individual slab of stone is like 22 tons. I think about that. Let's let's everybody that's listening to this podcast come together in Scottsdale, Arizona, and let's see if we can't all move and build a pyramid with 22 tons stone. Nobody's been able to build a pyramid since the pyramids were built. But then let's also do it with you know immense precision and guidance that mirrors and the size of the pyramid, like this. The yeah, and engineering that doesn't falter after how many yes, hundreds of years. Yeah. You also have the perimeter of the pyramid ends up being the exact equation to match the circumference of the globe yes and they're on energy sources that are shown on heat maps to produce a different sort of you know energy from emitting from the globe there's also some that are found in different continents like there's one that's so google maps doesn't allow you to really see over antarctica either but there's Hmm. some pictures that have existed and been brought to the surface that show a pyramid in antarctica as well go figure and what if all the pyramids and all those ancient structures were energy sources? And this Anunnaki essentially came here because they needed some version of gold in order to continue life on their planet. And they had an advanced civilization that was advanced enough to come here and see that we had gold ore all over the place. And so they came and they used the energy centers to transmit the gold to where they needed to be so they could exist in their life. And again, I could be bastardizing pieces and parts of the story. I'm certainly not an aficionado on it, but... Enough that it should hopefully spark your interest. And then what if it's the fact that that civilization that left behind, I'll say their scribe, right? Like we were originally, according to their methodology or mythology, were basically set as slaves, right? Like our, our race, we existed to be slaves to a higher power. And when they left, they, uh, one of them, I forget the name, like took the master code and gave it to us to no longer be slaves, like to allow us to start evolving. Mm -hmm. And through that evolution, we're not able to leave here until we evolve to the point of a higher consciousness to be able to understand what they even can do. Because I'm saying this again, I understand the majority of us listening think this is crazy. But until the consciousness of of the world is heightened to the point, like imagine right now that Strange creatures come to the, come to the, I'll say the U.S. because we're here, come down in spaceships. Like, there's instant chaos. Yeah, all of a sudden it's Will Smith's Independence Day. <laughs> like, we're not open to being able to communicate. Like, we're going to try to shoot them or capture them or kill them or, like, it has to be that they're bad and they're coming to take what we have instead of being enlightened in the fact that maybe they're what put us here to start with. And don't get me wrong, I still believe in the duality of the universe. I'm sure there's good aliens and bad aliens. Like according to the ancient whatever movie, like the greys are bad. Yeah, the greys were were serious. Yeah, those are the ones that like when you think E.T. and you think like all the pictures of aliens that you see that float around, like the little gray looking beings with big buggy eyes, that they are not necessarily so pleasant. But then that's just one subculture, right? Like think of how many different types of cultures and beliefs and skin tones and shapes and sizes exist on the planet Earth right now. Like, there's not only going to be one race of aliens. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy to me. Like I just keep, I could literally just like keep going on <laughs> about all the other crazy shit that I think. You guys, welcome to my 
every day evening when we get in bed and we're talking about random shit and he just starts going down this rabbit hole. There's just too much to life, I right? Know. And I fully own this. Like all this stuff really starts clicking in my head once I started experimenting with psychedelics. Like I'm okay saying that out loud. And experimenting means like I've done it way too much and it's not like that. It's just there's something different, right? There's a different level of, of consciousness that exists. Like some people have that filter taken off and some people don't want it taken off and some can't figure out how to take it off. But it's just crazy to think of all the possibilities. And then like I say it over and over again, like what we're seeking is seeking us. So I'm seeking enlightenment. I'm seeking something different. I've been on this path and then all of a sudden all this new stuff comes into my realm, like realm. Like whether it's a psychedelic substance or whether it's new sources of information or whether it's literally I'm, I'm floating and things are coming to me. Why? Where? Like could it be that I'm just ready to understand? Like because I'm open to something greater then I'm actually able to receive something greater. Sure. Absolutely. Where I'm not so shut down, like this is the only way we can live. This is the only way we can be. So maybe that's your deal, right? Maybe as you're listening, you would consider some of this to be a value. Maybe you also think it's completely crazy and you stop listening to the podcast. Like I get it. <laughs> that's not going to change my belief system. Like I just don't believe that we are the only things in the universe of any value. I don't believe that how we live our lives every day and what we perceive as reality is the ultimate reality. I don't believe that once we're done here, especially you can talk to dead people, right? Like you yeah, hear how them. How do you explain something like that, right? Like how does that level of consciousness, how, like that's literally one of the first ways you caught me cheating on you. I, it is. And you knew what the chick was wearing. You knew the whole deal. Like you just sat up in bed, flipped on the light and said, you asshole. I know this, this, and this. And I'm like, I saw it, all of it. How, yeah. wh what do you mean? And she was spot on, right? She was right. Not comfortable for me right now, but it happened. How does all that actually work? Right? Like. Explain it. But you can't. Just like you can't actually explain religion, but we hold on to it with a closed fist like it's ours. Like it has to be because if it's not ours, then we feel unsafe. And you feel unsafe when you're uncertain. So certainty brings you safety, even if certainty is derived from something that can't be proven, which then is the ultimate opposite of certainty. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not knocking religion. If you believe in God or Hindu or Buddhist, like I commend you for it. Like it's not a thing. But I challenge you to be open to the possibility that there could be something else. Because to me, when you start believing that there's other possibilities of more than you understand, every day you're able to get shit done. <laughs>